Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you this morning again for the privilege of coming into your house and praising you and worshiping you in spirit and in truth. And we thank you, God, for the word that you have spoken to our hearts to deliver this morning. And I pray, God, that our ears would be open, our hearts open to you. Lord God, to your voice, to your spirit. I pray, God, for your blessing, your anointing. We give you the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you this morning on the subject, subject, keeping the vision. Keeping the vision. You know, life can have numerous downturns. There's dark periods sometimes and stormy seas and high winds. And sometimes people get so discouraged they give up. And God does not want us to give up. God wants us to continue our journey with him and to praise him and worship him and be content in his spirit. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 7, upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on tomorrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Bible theologians estimate that Paul prayed or preached, excuse me, anywhere between six and ten hours that evening. Imagine. And they were in this upper room, many lights to keep people awake, I guess, and to see. But this young man fell out the window. His name Eutychus means fortunate. You know, when things seem dead, we are still fortunate. When things seem like they've come to an end because we can't see beyond like God sees, we're fortunate. No matter what, we're always fortunate. Because in the end, praise the Lord, God wins. The Bible said in verse 10, and Paul went down, stopped preaching, and fell on him, and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. Wait a minute, Paul. He's dead. He fell out the third story. It's a big building. The Bible says that Paul fell on him, just like Elisha and just like Elijah in the Old Testament, when they fell on the child, the children that were dead, and raised them back up to life. It means to fall upon someone and lie upon them, to seize them and take possession of them. The Bible says that he was embraced by Paul to embrace completely. You know, sometimes when you think you're dead, when you think it's over, God embraces you completely. Sometimes when you think your dreams are gone and your visions and your hope are gone, your future is gone, God comes down and he says, hey, what does he say? Trouble not yourselves. Paul is speaking to the people. He's saying, trouble not yourselves. Don't make a big noise and uproar about this. This is no big deal for God. 
Don't go into turbulence. Don't disturb yourself and throw yourself into confusion. Paul was saying, don't be troubled in mind. And don't wail tumultuously like it's the end. Keep your eye on Jesus and not on the storm is what God is saying to us this morning. And in verse 11, when he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till the break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive. Hallelujah. And were not a little comforted, which means they were very encouraged and comforted by God because the man of God did not panic. The man of God went down, embraced him, and called back his spirit as it was going down the corridor of time and heard the name of Jesus and said, You come back here and that spirit of that dead boy climbed back into his body and he breathed again hallelujah because of the power of God and the prayer of the man of God (laughs) humanity is limited I say humanity is limited but what does God say to us humanity plus divine Power, there's no failure. It's unlimited. We have not seen or tapped that. Sometimes we suffer from the spirit of unbelief because we don't really talk about the unlimited power of the Holy Ghost, the third person of the Trinity. There are two sides to the Holy Ghost, basically. There are two sides to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, first, you possess the Spirit. We receive the Spirit. But number two, second, the Spirit possesses you. There's a difference. I can have a coat, and I can possess a coat, but unless I put it on, it's not on. I can possess a car in my driveway, unless I get in, it's just a car in the driveway. But once I get in, It's mine. I possess it. I'm in it. I drive it. I have power with that car. God is saying something to us this morning. He's saying there's no limit to the possibilities of such a life. Praise God. Because when the Holy Spirit possesses us, hallelujah, we're saying, I have God behind me. I have God not only behind me, but I have God in the midst of me. I have God also through me, and I have God in front of me. We can't lose focus, my friend. We can't lose vision, because the Holy Spirit is the same. Hallelujah. It's the same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus in the Jordan River when he was baptized by John the Baptist. You have the same Holy Spirit in your life. And God is saying, I'm giving you unlimited power, but you have to possess it. We can talk about it. We, we can teach about it. We can pray about it. But when we allow the Spirit to possess us, something happens. Something happens to us. There's a change that takes place. You, you go from one spiritual season to the next. God elevates you. You begin to know the presence of God and you begin to realize the voice of God. When, when people are growing slack, when people are growing cold and people are growing indifferent, They become ablaze again when they get full of the Holy Ghost. We've seen that in revivals. We are to be flames of fire. 
As the Bible records in Hebrews 1.7, and his ministers a flame of fire. Praise God. We are to flash. We are to flame. We are to be like lightning and to be ablaze. Mighty instruments with burning messages full of love. Such a depth of consecration to God that we exist only to glorify God. God is trying to get self out of the way. God is trying to get self off the throne. God is trying to get egotism and egotistical behavior. All about me and not about him. It's not about your story. It's not about my story. It's about his story in our life and how that story is playing out. So many people just want to play the victim. They want to play their story. Woe is me. But listen to what God is trying to say. We must allow the Holy Spirit to possess us. Paul the Apostle was a persecutor. Paul the Apostle was a blasphemer before he became a Christian. But he was picked by God to become a flame of fire. And he fulfilled Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that we have the faith of the Son of God in us? The faith of the Son, not the faith of humanity, but the faith of an omnipotent God who resides in us in the tabernacle of this body, this flesh, praise the Lord. The Bible said in Acts 9 and 15, And the Lord said unto Paul, Saul, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear, praise God, my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul knew what he was signing up for. We must know what we sign up for, my friend. Matthew 5 and 10 says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted the prophets which were before you. The Bible says in Philippians 3.10, That I may know him. That I may know him that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. When the Holy Spirit possesses us, we get to know him. When the Holy Spirit possesses us, God owns us. We're bought with a price. We just can't do what we want, go where we want without God's blessing. The choices that we make are so important. The choices that we make are so important. And when the Holy Spirit possesses you, he will guide you to those right choices. The day is here when we should be rejoicing greatly that we have been privileged to suffer for our Lord Jesus Christ. God is going to have a people that will testify to the eternal power of God that works through them. We don't rejoice enough. I said, we don't rejoice enough. We're always talking about how bad things are. How sad things are. 
We're so contemplative about ourselves. It's always our story. And God is saying, change the channel. Get your sight on him. Seek his face. Not ours. We want to look beautiful. We want to look like Barbie. We want to look like Ken. And we present this to the world. And we try to convince the world, this is who I am. We're imposters. Until the Holy Spirit possesses us. We try to make people believe this is who I am. When we get naked before God, God says, this is who you are. You're weak and feeble. You're not that pretty. You're not that handsome without me, God is saying. Come on, my friends. We can doll ourselves up. We can work out. We can become Charles Atlas and all that. And we can strut our stuff and walk around the world and make people believe, look at me. I'm a muscle-bound man. Look at me. I'm Barbie. Look at my picture. Give me some likes. For what? For outward appearance? For an outward show? But when the Holy Spirit possesses us, people see the picture of Jesus in our face love. He sees the love of God flow through our being. As we reach out to other people, as the Spirit possesses us, it's no longer us. It's not our love. It's His love that flows through us. He is Abba. He's Abba. He's Father. And when his love flows through us, just like it did when we got saved, just like when he came into our lives, we felt the overflowing love of God. And that's who we are supposed to be as we're possessed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts 20 and 7, And upon the first day of the week, as I review, many of the disciples came together to break bread. Together. And Paul preached unto them, ready to depart tomorrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. Then something happened. There was an interruption that threatened to break up the church meeting. There was an interruption, just like there's interruptions in our lives, that want to break up your fellowship and flow with God that wants to break up that communication with the Lord. Things happen. Suddenly sometimes. Suddenly things happen. Praise God. Acts 29 says, And there sat in the window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. Oh, that's the end of the church service. No, it's not, Paul said. I still have something to say. We get anxious if the preacher goes and preaches 50 minutes or an hour. We start to get antsy. When's he going to get done? Imagine sitting at the feet of a man of God like Paul for six to ten hours. Wow. And receive the knowledge that God gave him and the wisdom my, why, what a, what a spiritual party that would be. Amen. Listen to what God is trying to say to us. Paul was full of the Holy Ghost and he was ready for such an emergency. And when the spirit of God possesses you, we will be ready for an emergency. Don't be caught off guard. 
Allow your lamps to be trimmed with the oil. Don't be like the five foolish virgins that said, hey, I've got time. You don't know when you have time because you know what? Things happen suddenly. And then there's an interruption in your life. And you must be possessed by that Holy Spirit for such an emergency. Paul was awake with the Spirit and the power of Almighty God. Though this man slept and he fell out the window and died, Paul was full of the Holy Ghost and was ready for such an emergency. Paul walked with God and was moved, key word, moved by the Holy Ghost for the situation. And Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while even till the break of day. So he departed and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted, which means they were very greatly encouraged. Brothers and sisters, we must allow God to move on us. So we stay in that spirit of encouragement and not the spirit of doldrums and the spirit of dread and the spirit of fear about what people are going to do to us. We must allow God to move on us. The Bible gives us an indication in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What does it mean? God is a God of organization. He's a God that knows how to put things together. He's a God that knows how to make things complete. The word moved in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 means to shake or to hover over. God wants to shake the church. I said, God wants to shake the church. He wants to hover over us. He wants to hover over us. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Listen, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved. Look at the word, my friend, by the Holy Ghost. You know what that means? They were prompted by God, hallelujah, to bring forth the word of the Lord. And God wants to move on us. He wants to prompt us by his Holy Spirit. And he wants his Holy Spirit to possess us. Not just talk about theology. Not a fair show in the flesh. Not carnal, but spiritual. Knowing that God has a hold of us. He has us in the palm of his hand. And he's not going to let go. Because God is always ready for an emergency. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying. God is always ready for an emergency. He knows how to intervene at the greatest moment of time. We exhaust ourselves sometimes 
And we give up and we throw the towel in like a fighter or a boxer in the corner who tells his manager, I can't go on. And the manager says, you can. You can. You need to get up off the stool and get back on your feet and approach the enemy like you believe you can beat him. Amen. Come, on. <laughs> Come on, my friend. Come on. If you're going to stay stuck in a corner and sit on your stool and believe the enemy has won or the enemy is just going to outlast you, you're not possessed by the Holy Spirit. You're possessed by your limited mind and your limited thinking. God always is out of the box. He doesn't do things like we do. I mean, come on. A blind man. He spits on the ground, makes a mud pie, puts it on the man's eyes and tells him to go wash. Now, who would do that? Who would do that? Who would do that? But Jesus. He had different ways of healing people. Look at the leper in the Old Testament who came to the prophet, Naaman. What did God tell him? Go wash in the river seven times and your skin will be like a baby. Who, who, who speaks those words? But someone possessed by the Holy Ghost. Speaking as the oracles of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move. Look what it says. For in him we live and move and have our being. What does it mean? The word move means to cause to go. Hallelujah. It means to set in motion. It means to give excitement. It means to throw into commotion and a riot or a disturbance. And you know what? When we go, praise God, we can set things into a spiritual riot in the lives of people. Hallelujah. By the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, they get all undone. Because God moved on you and you obeyed Him. It's time to wake. It's time to awake. We keep talking about the sleeping giant. And the sleeping giant is referred to in America as the church. Because the church is asleep. 20% of churches have closed their doors forever. Since the pandemic a year ago. Many more are closing their doors. Why? Why? When people in secular society are trying to tell us, open the doors of your church. Why don't you let people go to church? Open the doors, pastors. Open the doors, spiritual leaders. Open the doors so people can come and fellowship and break bread and get encouragement by the word of God and by worshiping and praising our God. We cannot afford not to come together, but not just religiously. We must come together spiritually. We must prepare our hearts even before we get here. We must ask God to open up those brass gates that encamp us and enclose us. That don't allow the Holy Spirit to get in because of our thinking, our theology, or whatever we believe in. The Word of God is true. It's absolute truth. Not what some guy wrote in a book. The Word of God is absolute truth. It's time to awake, and the Bible warns us in Isaiah 52 and 1. It says, Awake, awake, put on thy strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, Jerusalem. 
the holy city. For henceforth there shall be no more come into thee the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake thyself from the dust and arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. In the message version, to make it plain, it says this. Wake up, wake up. Put on your boots, Zion. Dress up in your Sunday best, Jerusalem, holy city. Those who want no part of God have been called out. Those that don't want any part of God, they won't be part. That's what God is saying. They won't be coming along. Brush off the dust and get, up, get to your feet, captive Jerusalem. Throw off your chains, 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 captive daughter of Zion. We got to throw off the chains. And the only way you could do that is when you allow the Holy Spirit to possess you. We have so many reoccurring issues in our life emotionally that we talk about constantly, constantly, as we allow the enemy to encamp us and enclose us and take our minds and our thoughts and our thinking, thinking there's no way out. And we deal with it, sometimes for days and months and decades, the same thing. We're not being possessed by the Holy Spirit because God wants to break the chains, praise God. He wants to break the chains of whatever happened to you in childhood, whatever happened to you wherever in a relationship, with whoever left you for dead or whatever. God wants to bring us forth. He wants to move upon us and move us forward, my friend, and not stay stuck and stagnant. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. We can't afford to fall asleep. Ephesians chapter, uh, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Awake to righteousness and sin not. Hmm. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame, Paul said. We have to be clean, pure. We can't pollute what God is trying to possess. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You will never know the will of God unless you allow God to possess you. You hear this preacher. You will never know the perfect will of God unless you allow God to possess you. People are possessed by their own spirit. They're possessed by their own thoughts. They're possessed by their own plans. And listen... I've been in church work for 48 years. That's no small time. And I've seen people fail. And you could predict it, and you could be prophetic in their lives, and they just look at you like, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, but I maybe not know what I'm talking about. But the spirit that possesses me knows what he's saying, and he knows what he's talking about. You won't be ready for the emergency. You will panic. 
And like the five foolish virgins, you'll try to knock on someone's door and say, give me some of your oil, but they're not going to open the door to you. Just like in the days of Noah, when the door shut. 120 years. 120 years. You would think that somebody, besides his sons and his wife and his son's wives, you think that just somebody else outside of his family would say, Noah, let's sit down and talk about this. Not a one. Following their own dreams and hopes that vanished in a flood as they were drowned. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. God, Paul is talking to the church. He's not talking to the world. For they that slept sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be caught unawares. Don't be caught sleeping in the last day. Don't be contemplating your navel, trying to figure out who you are. We don't need to become introspective. People are trying to figure out who they are. When you figure out who God is, He'll let you know who you are. When Saul of Tarsus allowed God to figure it out in his life, the identity crisis was over. See, Paul, who Saul became Paul, he figured it out. He says, I was a sinner, the chiefest among sinners. But on the Damascus Road, when Jesus found me, I became a son of God. And I know where I'm going. Paul knew his past. And he allowed the Holy Spirit to possess him. And he allowed the Holy Spirit to swallow that up through the blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul moved in the present moment to do the work of God until the end because he knew where he was going. Hallelujah. He knew where he was. He knew where he is. And he knew where he was going. And the identity crisis was over. People are trying to figure it out by themselves. And all you do is become weary. Brothers and sisters, we have the power of God. Let me read something to you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power. What does that mean? Do you go buy a car at the car lot without an engine? Do you tell the man, I really love the color of this vehicle, but I don't want the engine. He's going to look at you like, where can I take you for help? Because the engine gives you power. The engine causes you to move from one place to the next. And the man of God says in, in Acts 1, 8, Luke says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Acts 2, 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Imagine that. One accord. And suddenly... 
There came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Something very unusual happened. And some people say, well, that was just for them. Well, if that's what you want to believe, then you'll believe that. And the gates that hold your theology in your mind will stay closed. Amen. We can talk a good talk, but you can't walk a good walk really without being possessed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's what's missing even in the Pentecostal churches. Are you saying I don't have the Holy Spirit and I'm saved? Oh, I'm not saying that. If you study the Bible really closely, you'll see there's different measures of the Spirit. The Bible says in John chapter 3 that Jesus was filled with the Spirit without measure. Look at the words, without measure. And you'll see different fillings in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Eight years later, it happened to the house of Cornelius. It happened in the city of Ephesus. It wasn't just for the day of Pentecost. And every time it happened, the initial evidence of speaking in tongues was there. You can't refute it. Even Isaiah said, with stammering lips and another tongue, will I speak unto these people in the prophecy in the Old Testament. But still people want to fight it. Want to call us heretics because we speak in other tongues. Let me tell you something. There's one prayer the enemy cannot decode. There is... There's one prayer language that the enemy cannot decode. Now, people get mixed up because they say, well, that's the gift of tongues in the book of Corinthians where the interpretation comes. No, this is the prayer language. It's two separate things. People don't know theology. People are ignorant. We went to many churches that were actually dead. No life. No life. But I was a fiery young evangelist possessed with the spirit of God and I get behind the pulpit and say do you want revival or riot and they look at me like who is this guy this guy is just out of his mind and you want to know something when the power of God fell and whole churches were slain under the power of God in those days we didn't have catchers either you went down in the spirit or you were dummy no one ever got hurt. No one. I've seen people stacked up like cordwood. I saw two young boys in Blacksburg, Virginia one night, standing up. Standing up. I laid hands on the both of them. They both came together, their heads like this, and they just fell asleep right there, standing up. One sister came running up to me, one revival, and says, Brother Colombo, Brother Colombo, look at my husband. He was standing straight up against the pew like an ironing board. Slain in the spirit. I saw a lady in Waterville, New Hampshire, Maine, excuse me. Supposedly not able to move her arms or her shoulders, paralyzed somehow. Power of God came upon her. She was slain in the power of God. And I actually saw her body lift off the ground. The pastor came down and he looked. And she got up and started swinging her arms like windmills. And I said, what's so what? Everybody's so excited about. 
She can't do that. Oh, yes, she can. When you get possessed by the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. In Newark, New York, a man was in a wheelchair. Powerful revival. Went on for three weeks. I went up to that man and I said, you believe Jesus can bring you out? He said, yes, sir. I took him by the hand in the name of Jesus. I said, come out. He walked through the wheelchair away. You see, when we're in one mind and one accord, God can do something. The church has come under the spirit of unbelief. Of doubt. That can't be. It's not our theology. That's not what we were taught. Who cares? It doesn't matter what you were taught. It's a matter what the word of God teaches. Like God wants to move upon us. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Acts 2.17, And it shall come to pass in the last days. Do you not believe we're in the last days, saith God? I will pour out of my spirit. What does it mean? I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I will move upon you in my spirit. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. People live such mundane lives. Mundane lives. Searching. Searching for happiness. Searching for that promotion. Searching for that pot of gold. Searching for that ticket that's going to win them the lottery. Scratch off. That's very powerful. <laughs> like many foolish people who buy those tickets, how many win? But they really believe I got the numbers. I don't even know how to go in a store and buy one of those tickets. I'm so ignorant. Because I already got a ticket. God gave me a ticket when he saved me. Hallelujah. And said, you're not guilty now. I ripped up the ticket, God said. And the blood of Jesus, hallelujah, has saved me from my sin. And he filled me with the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work of God. You will find that when you're full of the Holy Ghost, listen carefully, God will put you in a position to act when you have no time to think. Because you know the voice. It's not clouded. It's not crowded. There's a highway up here. And if you allow that highway to get crowded, you're not going to hear the voice of God. Because people are so in love with themselves. They want to present this person to the world and say, look at me. Aren't I lovely? Aren't I pretty? Look at me. What are we looking at? But when someone walks into the room, maybe not as stunning as the next person, but as possessed by the Holy Spirit, and you see the love of God exude from their being, boy, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. You can just see them in their gestures, in their kindness, in their compassion. What is God saying to us? He, he, he's saying this. God will put you in a position to act when you have no time to think. You will move with power. You will move with authority. You will move in the supernatural. God will manifest himself through you. It's a word spoken in season or out of season to give hope to other human beings. There's a lot of people on the ledge, my friend. Some of them are even in our own families. And we don't even know it. Because there's silent people on the ledge. Young people. 
parents, talk to your kids. Don't let them go in their room and close the door and listen to stupid music and play dumb games that promote violence and murder. Sit down with them, even if they don't want to. Ask them, what are your hopes? What are your fears? What are your dreams? What's going on? Talk to me. I'm your mom. I'm your dad. Talk to me. I love you. God loves you. Even if they don't want to hear it. Even if they want to turn a deaf ear. Plan it. Plan it. Because you don't know what that person's going through. Oh, we hear so many times someone died suddenly. You know what that means when you read an obituary? It means they killed themselves. Usually. That's what it means. Did not anyone see? Was not anyone paying attention? Did not anyone see the signs or hear the cry of the human heart? We can't afford to lose one. No one in our families. We can't afford, afford to lose a, a human being uh, or a life that God's created. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God's power will give us, praise God, as it flows through us, spiritual excitement. It will cause a spiritual disturbance in our life. It will cause a spiritual riot in our life, a spiritual commotion that will want to change and get closer to God. And then we can minister to other people. We can't stay the same. We can't stay stagnant. God is calling a remnant. He's calling a people forth that want it all. That want everything that God has for them. People are so afraid to yield to the Lord. What are they afraid of? I hear people say, well, will I have to give up something? Probably something that's not good for you. But God always gives you something in its place. You can't outgive him. He's merciful. He's loving. He's tender. How many of you are not blessed in this church, sitting here under the sound of my voice? Has God withhold any good thing from you? But yet we cry for more. We want this and we want that. Oh, and if I get that, that'll make me happy. And if I get this out, that'll make me happy. I've seen that for so many years in people's lives. It made them happy momentarily. It's like a kid on Christmas. Have you ever noticed children? You can buy $300 worth of toys. And they end up playing with a cardboard box. And a pot and pan. With a stick. And you're looking and you're saying, hey kid, what are you doing? Playing with a cardboard box, a pot, and a stick. Boom, 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 boom. How about that? Ah, some other time. Excitement wears off real quick. Really fast. And that's what happens in our lives. Because we think, oh, if I could just get that. I hear people say that. If I could just get that. If I could just go there. Go where? Get what? You think happiness is in a person? No. You, you think happiness is in some promotion? No. I'm not saying we shouldn't make money and live nice. That's not what God's saying. But when that becomes our whole life, that's it. That's it. The world's spirit has possessed us. And not God's spirit. Praise the Lord. Paul was able to move in the realm of the spirit because he was serving the Lord with all humility of mind. The Bible says in Acts 20, 19, what's humility of mind? Having a humble opinion of oneself. Hmm. Boy. 
It's a deep sense of one's moral littleness. Humility. Modesty. Lowliness of mind. Not rising far from the ground. What does that mean? God says, if you stay here, I'll bring you up here. But if you stay here, I'll bring you down here. (laughs) You, You get the picture here? It's really simple. He says, if you stay here, don't think so much of yourself. Think a lot of me, God is saying. Because you're not that important. Everyone knows that when you retire from a job. <laughs> you know what they know? They don't replace you. That item doesn't come up. The people in charge in Albany, scratch it out. We don't need one of those anymore. One of those? You're talking about someone that worked for you for 20 years? <laughs> one of those? We don't need to replace you. So I wasn't that important. Of course not. We do as unto the Lord as we were. That's what we do. The world doesn't give you a reward. How many have people have received gold watches anymore when they get retired? <laughs> Remember when they used to give you a turkey from the union during Thanksgiving and Christmas and a ham? Remember? Remember those days? Pick up your turkey. Pick up your ham for Christmas. They won't even give you a paper certificate. <laughs> they don't even give you a $10 certificate to weddings anymore. Are you serious? The union dues that you pay? Monthly, yearly, add it up. They can't afford to give you a turkey or a ham? Shame on the unions. Take care of your people. Take care of people that work hard, make you look good. Pay dues. No raises until 2023. What's with that, union? You should be banging on the door of the man in charge and say, hey, wait a minute. How can you take a raise and give your guys a raise and, and, and the people that work hard that risk their lives? Risk their lives in these homes where, where people have the virus and risk their lives in a prison and go to work every day. Their family not knowing if they're going to come home safely. Come on, reward people. Reward people for their job. The book of James says to do that. Employer, treat your employee well. Because if not, it will be well for you in the end if you don't. People deserve. They risk their lives. Working hard. Employers get richer. When it comes time for a raise, well, we'll talk about it. Don't talk about 1%. Don't even talk about 2% or 3%. Because my medical insurance goes up and skyrockets. And you know what? It takes care of that 1%, 2 or 3%. And it wipes it right out. Who are you fooling? It's an even wash. We're not dumb people. What's God saying? Humility. When we get to the point of humility, we'll realize the following. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. There's two things that we have to look at this morning. And it's this. Human helplessness 
and human inefficiency. Have you ever noticed when you buy something, you have to take it back? How many times have you bought something and you have to go take it back? What's with that? Craftsmanship. It's gone. Human inefficiency. Human helplessness. It's time that we no longer rest on human plans, human devices, and human energy, but continually look to God for all things. Paul was able to move in the realm of the Spirit because of Acts 20 and verse 22. He says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Paul is saying, what? I have no idea what's going to happen to me. But I go bound in the Spirit. And I'll explain that in a moment. I go bound in the Spirit. Save that the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that the bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I, I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. What's Paul saying? He's saying, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. That's what this means. I go bound in the Spirit. Paul is saying, I'm fully committed. There's not one ounce in my life or in my body, there's not a vein or an artery that's not committed to God. And ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, that's the commitment that we have to make in the last day. People say, well, I don't know if I can do that, Pastor. I don't think we have a choice. I said, I don't think we have a choice. We see the darkness surround. We see the clouds. We see so many things happening in our society and environment. And it's rather frightening. Unless you allow God to possess you. People are going to crack up. People are going to die suddenly. People are going to cry that the rock should fall upon them, that they would die. But it doesn't have to be that way for the Christian church. God has always had a church that's been victorious. Hey, listen, you've heard me say this numerous times. You can shut the door of a church, but you cannot shut the door of a Christian who loves God with all of his heart or her heart. You can shut the door of a church, but you'll never shut the door of the remnant believer that is possessed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul came into oneness with God because it's, he fulfilled Luke twenty-two forty-two, And this is something that we're going to have to come across saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. This is what Jesus said. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Paul was saying, okay, God, this is a cup and you told me I'm going to suffer. And God said, what are you going to do? I'll choose to drink it. I'll choose to drink it. And we're going to have to come to that choice one day. Because every one of us here has been given a cup. They're all different. Different circumstances, different situations. We've all been given a cup. We've all been given a cross to bear for God. The Bible says in Romans 8.14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We can't err. We can't derail. We just can't. This, this is, you know, they used to sing this song years ago, The Last Mile of the Way. 
Brothers and sisters, we're on the last mile of the way. We must keep each other. We must help each other. Encourage each other. Because there's going to be days when you're going to be dragging. And God will call someone to come into your life and put their arm around you and say, okay, I got you. And maybe two weeks from then, they'll do the same thing for you. It's camaraderie. It's fellowship. It's unity. It's brethren breaking bread together. Watching out for each other. Watching each other's back. Taking care of one another. Loving one another. Being kind to one another. Communicating with each other. And when we see a brother or sister going off the rails, if we have love for them, we should warn them. You know, sometimes when that happens, people get their nose at each other. Who are you to tell me? I'm nobody. Except in Christ, I am somebody. And I'm not saying this to judge you or to hurt you. Or to take away your dream or your hope. But reality is the word of God. Reality is the word of God. Show me what you're doing is biblical. Show me what you're doing or behaving is biblical. Give me the scripture. And then we can talk. But if it's not biblical, don't do it. Your heart is your umpire. You know, things can line up wonderfully. And it could be the will of God. Biblically. But if your heart isn't in it, don't do it. It's not time. Maybe it's a different season that you must go through or do. People jump the gun. People make choices that affect the rest of their life. Let me try to close here. Why was Paul used by God? He wanted God. He was hungry and thirsty for God. He was saying, serving God is my only desire and my only ambition in life. Boy, when we push away our ambitions and we receive God's ambitions, those are two different worlds. Most people live in their ambitions and they push away God's ambitions for their life. And it's sad because that's God's will that's coming toward you. And we look for momentary circumstances of pleasure and then it disappears. It doesn't turn out to be the way you thought it was going to be. And you know why? Because you weren't in the spirit or possessed by the spirit to make the right choice. Follow. He said, where upon, O King Agrippa, in Acts 26, 19, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. People are going to lose vision in the last day here. People are going to put their two-week notice in with God and say, I'm done. I pray it didn't happen. <laughs> As if we know better than God. <laughs> he was saying to the king that he never lost vision to work for God no matter what the suffering. You see, God laid hold of Paul and bound him and preserved him, praise God, and we ought to see to it that we leave ourselves to God for we were bought with a price and we cannot control our own destiny. 
can't. People try. They map it out. They plan it. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Tell me what you're going to do. Then ask yourself this question. What does God want to do? There's a whole different ballgame there, friend. I hear people say, this is my plan. Okay. And God has a plan for you, according to Jeremiah 29 and 11. He does. But his plan. His thoughts are not your thoughts, and his ways are not your ways. But you know what we try to impose upon God? This is what I'm doing. God bless it. We go into the throne room, and we sit on the seat, like we're kings and queens, and we're telling God, this is what I'm doing. This is my plan. Bless it. God cannot bless a mess. God can't organize a mess. Unless you want him to, a rev- to do a riot or a revolution in your life by allowing you to possess the Holy Ghost. People fail. There's no need to fail in the spirit. Human thinking is limited. But human life plus the divine power of God, we become unlimited as we're possessed by the Holy Spirit. God is looking for men and women to make men hungry or dissatisfied. You're going to go one way or the other. Listen to me carefully. To make men glad or sad or mad. God wants to either disturb men or dispatch his Holy Spirit. God has a message that won't leave people alone. Something must happen. God has to do something. Because he said, will I find faith on the earth when I return? And I know the answer to that question. Because if there's going to be a raptured church, that church has faith to believe that they're going up against the laws of gravity. So yes, he will find faith on the earth, but not everyone. Those possessed by the Holy Ghost. People say, I don't believe in miracles. I say, well, you can't go to heaven. What are you talking about? I'm a Christian. You don't believe in miracles. What's holding you down, sir? Ma'am? Gravity? The laws of gravity? In order for you to go up, God has to do something different and defy the laws of gravity. Would you not consider that a miracle? Ooh. Never thought about that. Yeah, because you have limited thinking. You've been in a chain for so long in your mind. The door has been locked with a padlock and ten other locks that nobody can get in because you figured it out. You figured it out. Sir, miracles can happen. When God decides it's a miracle, it'll be a miracle. Praise the Lord. You will go one way or the other in the last day. There's, there's no, sin, no sitting on the fence any longer. You will either be something for God or good for nothing. It's really simple. You have to know the difference between possessing the Spirit and being possessed by the Spirit. Let God have His way, whatever the cost. Allow God to move upon you and me and move on with God. Move on with God. Don't remain stagnant because you will die. 
Don't lose the vision, but allow God to move on you by the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't lose vision for your life. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of life to live. If you look at the scriptures, it says, occupy until I come. He didn't say go build a bunker and go lay there until the hydrogen bomb falls, and then what? You'll be the only one coming out of the bunker. You'll have nobody to eat with. No one to drink a cup of coffee with. Your neighbors will be gone because they didn't have a bunker. What are we talking about here? Some people are fleeing to Arkansas because they believe that's the ark, A-R-K. Ooh, okay. That's a plan. That's a real plan, Dave. That's a plan. Let's go to Arkansas because it must be a sign. A-R-K. Okay. That's biblical thinking. Let's create a commune. A commune? Really? We're going to share bathrooms and showers? Is that what we're going to do? Suppose someone sits down at the evening meal and says, I don't eat that. Oh, there goes your commune of unity. You see, God already figured that out on the day of Pentecost when they came together in one accord. <laughs> when brothers and sisters come together, how sweet it is when brethren come together and dwell together in the unity of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and then we will be able to accept each other's differences in Christ. It doesn't matter if you don't like vanilla ice cream with sprinkles. I do. You can eat chocolate ice cream or whatever you eat. No judgment here. No problem. But that only takes place when you have the spirit of the living God working in the midst of your family, of your community of believers. Praise the Lord. Our goal and vision in Christ is found in Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Closing, God desires us to be heir to this vision. The Holy Ghost desires to give us a vision and revelation of Jesus. The Holy Ghost desires that you hear the voice of God. And within you, listen closely, is the reservoir of eternal life the promises, and the fullness of God. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You've all sat by a lake. I'm not a swimmer. I'm not a person that goes out on boats. I don't even fish. But I love to go down by the water. And listen to the water. It's so peaceful. It's so peaceful. Because the Bible says that his voice is the sound of many waters. The sound of many waters. How peaceful it is when that river of life flows through us and takes away all the commotion, takes away all the clutter, takes away all the nonsense that the enemy tries to bring and infiltrate into our spirit and just washes it away. All the dead debris, the empty bottles, 
the branches that are laying in the river, the dead raccoons and animals that are in the river. They're up here. They're in your spirit. And God wants to come through with the sound of the rushing wind and the river of life and say, let me get rid of that debris that's in your life. Let me free you. You're so wrapped up as a prisoner. You know, not all prisoners are in a jail somewhere. So many sit in churches. They're not all locked up in a jail, imprisoned in their own life, in their own emotions, in their own desires, in their own sin. And then the enemy comes with guilt and shame and condemnation. People do that week after week. I'll tell you a little story before I close. My dad, he was a mischievous young man when he was a kid. And there was a, a man that owned a Chinese laundry. And you know in the old days, uh, they had those hot irons, the Chinese laundries. My dad was a group of young men, with a group of young men that said, I dare you to take some manure they got and go throw it on the laundry of the Chinese launder. And my dad, who took a risk, said he would do it. <laughs> and he threw the manure on the man's shirt as he was ironing it. And immediately, that man was so mad, he started running after my dad with the hot iron. And my dad was running down the street, and my dad wasn't a very fast runner like I was never a fast runner. It was sort of hereditary. And there was this woman who was sweeping the front of her home, as they used to do in the old days. And my dad thought real quick and said to the woman, he wants to hurt me. He wants to hurt me. And she grabbed my dad, and she took the broomstick and started beating the Chinese guy with the broomstick. Don't let the enemy beat you up. Don't let the enemy ambush you with a broomstick. Week after week, month after month, decade after decade, get possessed by the Holy Ghost and say, God, I'm done with this. I want to be free. Hey, listen, it could be a hurt, a divorce, a relationship, whatever. And I'm not trying to minimize pain or hurt. Don't get me wrong. But if we're going to carry that around for the rest of our lives, it becomes our story. And we keep telling that story to so many people, it gets old after a while. It's time for the church to awake and arise from sleep and get out of the chains that the enemy has enclosed us with. Here's a prayer to leave you with. And it was Paul the Apostle that said these words through the Holy Spirit as God moved on him. I call it the prayer of Paul the Apostle for the church. Ephesians 1.17 That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, 
that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You would do well if you meditated on those verses this week. It's the prayer for you. It's the prayer for me. It's the prayer for the church that Paul prayed many years ago. Let us pray. Father, you've given us your word, keeping the vision. Doesn't matter what the world's doing. Doesn't matter what the world chooses to do. But God, you will give us choices to be made under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We want to be guided by your spirit. We want your wisdom and we want your knowledge. We want to be able to say now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Father, I pray, Lord God, that you would move upon the church once again in America, that you would move upon your children with the power of the Holy Spirit like never before and usher in, oh God, that wind, hallelujah. We see high winds, oh God, in different states in the last few days. Some very high winds in the physical, but I pray, God, in the spiritual that your wind will blow one more time. Let the wind blow again, God, in our lives and wash out anything, O oh Lord, that would get in the way and interfere with the will of God in these last days for our lives personally, for our families, and for our churches in America. I pray, God, your blessings upon those that would view the film here, those that would hear the podcast, that you would touch their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we say amen. God bless you and thank you for listening.